Welcome to Reality Bites. This is Desley Casey and Sue And today we have very privileged to have a guest, uh, Beverly Baker from uh, National Older Women's Network. That's right. Today we're picking up our conversation with Beverly from part one, where we left off discussing treating people as decent human beings. Part two offers even more insights into the issues and dilemmas faced by older women and vulnerable Australians in general. So let's get started, Beverly. The real, the real enemy that we have in this country at the moment is wealth against the rest of us. Yes. We have people with so much money, they would be small countries when I was born, that are now controlling the lives of everyone. Yeah. And, it, and it's everyone. So it's them against the rest of us. That's 1%. We're 99. Yeah. I do know what numbers look like. 99 <laughs> is not a good look. You know, if we are all speaking with the one voice... We drown out the 1%. We don't care who they own, who they've bought, who they think they can manipulate. Yeah. 99 will beat that 1% every time. And in that, on that uh, particular uh, point, Beverly, I'd like to bring in the cashless debit card because that's where we're really seeing the wealth and the one percenters that have totally taken over federal government Federal government, LNP just think it's the best thing since sliced bread. But when you speak to people on the ground, forced income management, which is what it's about, is actually putting a lot of people re-traumatising. Of course it is. A lot of people, women with domestic, who have fled domestic violence, it's traumatising young job seekers. I was interested in that you talked about earlier about um, supporting people with young people and people with education well we've heard stories where they they've had to stop their education because they they couldn't get a bus to the uni or they weren't allowed to buy textbooks and one guy oh, one young yeah. man honestly Beverly yeah your heart just weeps for him because he was a double science type major right this young Aboriginal guy, but full of smarts and he had to give up his uni education as a result uh, and that. Um, so we're seeing already playing out how the wealth will control and decide who you can buy, who, what business you can buy from and what you can buy. It's a complete, it's an attitudinal thing to start with. I mean, it's, and it's the attitude that I find really offensive is that, you know, it's not your money. Well, it is. And we are a signatory to the United Nations conventions on this stuff, which means that it is your money. It is paid to you and you should be free to spend it as you choose. Now, it was sold because it was the other and it was those Aboriginal people who were doing all of that stuff. That was a flat-out lie. That yeah. was the... The binary opposition again. Let's find someone we can put all of the blame on while we yeah. continue to do this. This is the attitude of this federal government. They do not have any respect or care for people who are not wealthy. And it's yeah. they, if they, the card is a punishment. 
and it's an insult and it's and now they're trying to change the name of the pension and it's even appearing in newspapers somebody was saying yesterday that there was a three-word answer to a cryptic clue and it said welfare payment and the answer was old age pension and we jumped up and down on the spot about that because the old age pension is not welfare it is earned income it is money that you have earned over your life and when you then say that's welfare and written into the indu card act is the word welfare once you change the aged pension or any pension to being aged welfare single mother welfare whatever welfare they're all on that card and they're all being bullied and coerced and threatened. We've got legislation in place to stop coercive control, yet here we have a federal government determined to apply coercive control on every single person earning a government benefit. Now, old enough to remember when those benefits were absolutely lifted so that people were not treated like they were subhuman. And now we're back there. Well, it's we've got to go, we've got to get rid of that card and mm. we've got to make it absolutely clear that we're not taking it. Now, I would never tell anyone how to vote. That's not my job. No, but there are clear that. choices. We have one party that is absolutely committed to the rolling out of this card. Now we've got yep. two parties who are absolutely committed. No, that's three. Absolutely committed Four. to the rolling out of that card. And you've got two parties who are absolutely opposed to it. You yeah. go find out who the two are, because if you don't want to be on that card, don't vote for the three parties who are supporting it. Absolutely. And if five yeah. Palmer's mob run, that's four parties. Yeah. Well, actually, I was, I was just saying to Sue, because I'm trying to set up a, a debate, uh, wanting to set up a debate between the Fiona Phillips, the federal uh, Labor MP for Gilmore, and also Andrew Constance, who has been endorsed as the Liberal candidate. And I want to set up a debate between oh, the... I'll come, I'll drive. I don't care how far it is. I'll come to that debate. Well, it's going to be a Zoom, so... <laughs> oh, look, honestly, it's, it's really, really important. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the attitude. It is that belief that somehow people who are unemployed are, or, or, or on the age pension are less. Yes. They aren't good enough. If they'd worked harder, that's gaslighting. That yeah. is absolute gaslighting. It's got nothing to do with your work. It's got, I mean, a friend of ours, one of the women on our board was a, a, a corporate woman, a high-flying corporate woman. So saving heaps in superannuation, her partner got sick and she did, as we all do, stopped work to look after her partner. She is now on looking at, at on all of the fights that she's got to have to keep a carer's pension, to do the stuff. This woman had millions and she's lost millions because she was not able to work, not able to continue in that way. And, and she's not a bludger. She's a yeah. really hardworking, decent person. And story after story after story are like that. And these people just, we've already got, I think, uh, 20 people, between 20 and 200 people who are on the age pension on this Indu card. So don't let anybody comment or con you into believing that it isn't for old age pension. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that um, just bringing in a couple of recent politics and we're not going to go into the 
invasion of Russia with Ukraine. But what I was fascinated was when I was listening to, I call him Scumbo in our area, we call him Scumbo. We don't call him Scotty from marketing or ScoMo, it's Scumbo. And anyway, so I was listening to our erstwhile PM uh, in his media conference saying what sanctions that he was putting against Russia. And he called Putin a bully and a thug. And I had a right smile to myself saying, well, what do you think you're doing to people on Centrelink recipients in Australia? Aren't you also being the bully and the thug? Yeah. He can't look in the mirror. He can't look in the mirror, can he? It's not even just those on Centrelink benefits. He's been a bully to Australian workers. Wages have not moved in a decade. Um, however, rents and everything else has gone through the roof. I mean, we read all the time families that are just struggling to make ends meet, yeah. families that are going without meat so that they can pay their rents, etc., or yeah. feed and clothe their children. I mean, he has been the worst prime minister in our recent history and... For him to call anybody a bully really is, is a laugh, is a joke. Well, I would just look to Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins. Yes. And say, you know, look but at the girls. Here, mate. And look at and the and the other people who have been forced out, yes. uh, the women that have been forced out because the behaviour of that that particular party yes. has been so bad. Now I'm not claiming it's the only party that's engaged in that no. because if you have a look across the board, you'll find that there are harassment claims across no. the board. But no. if you have a look at what the parties do when they've received yes. those claims and what they try to do about it, you've got at one end a brown paper bag with a million dollars coming into it no. to defend them. And then you've got the other end, a politician who was stood down no. even though she was innocent. Yeah, you know, so that you've got those two extremes, yeah. um, and it we've, and you had the the Kate Jenkins report on bullying in that workplace and yeah. sort of harassment in that workplace, and all I can see coming out of it is we're going to run some education programs. Yeah. Well, your empathy courses worked, didn't they? <laughs> oh, great, yeah. I, I I laughed at the time actually. I was thinking, how do you teach empathy? You can't. No. Exactly, because if you don't have empathy, no. empathy it's not is taught. Can, can be taught. Empathy yeah. is taught when you're a child. Yes. You know, as you're growing up, you know, don't hit that person. That hurts. Would you like someone to do that to you? Don't do that. You know, that's all, that's the conversation you have with children from the minute they're born to think about the way that they behave impacts on someone else. And if those conversations aren't being held with your children, that's the end result. Yeah. It, well, it's also true that us humans, we do make mistakes. Of course uh, we do. You know, it's how you come through that mistake after you've realised what you do after that determines yeah. who, you know, what sort of a person you are. And just going back on that whole incident with Brittany and so on, it that was handled so badly. Well, it wasn't handled. No. And then even the justice march, that was just for, for our PM to not even take a second to acknowledge that those women were there was a clear message to those women as to what he thinks of women yes. in Australia. 
But the bit that gets me is, is that he's in an all-women household, all-female household, and yet he had to have his wife explain to him, well, what happened? Would you like our two daughters to experience this? Yes. Like, hello? Look, I'm not sure I believe that that conversation actually took Yeah, us. no, I don't either. I think that that was, we're just hide behind here and, you know, like, just pretend I'm just a daggy dad. I yeah. know lots of daggy dads, and I know that a lot of daggy dads, or nearly all the daggy dads know that if that was anyone that they knew, they would go ballistic. Yeah. And there is, and they worry about their daughters. They worry about, even though their daughters aren't affected at this stage, they worry about it. They make sure they tell them about how to defend themselves and how to look after themselves and be careful and don't talk to strangers and don't do this. For him to come out and say, oh, you know, Jenny explained it, that is such an insult. It's an insult to Jenny. It's an insult yes. to his daughters, but it's an insult to his party and women across the country that somebody would have to explain to him that rape was a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, where does... Yeah, you know, exactly. Like really and truly, but that was just beyond the pale. Absolutely. But turning the uh, conversation, I'd like to touch a bit on um, aged care. But I also like to start with what you, asking what your thoughts are with the government now wanting pensioners to go back to work, particularly in aged care. But from what I've also understand, it's across the board in a whole range of industries. So suddenly they're supposed to be quote unquote valued because it suits the government for age pensioners or for pensioners to pick up the slack yeah and the thing is that you've got to look i can i can understand in a situation of emergency you would want everybody's hands to their grinds you know was it nose to the nose to the grindstone if you put your hand on it, it might burn so you know they would have everybody out there but let's have a look at what the bottom line of that is if you go to work, that immediately knocks into your pension. Yes. If you are paid for that work and you lose your pension, even though you've had it for 10 years, when you want to go back on the pension again, you've got a six-month wait till you've got it. When they've brought in all their overseas workers and you're no longer required, you've got a six-month wait till you get that back. They want us to sell our house and downsize. You've got that cash in your bank account. You can't get the pension anymore. So that if they really want to engage and they really want that kind of flexibility, how about they create that flexibility so that you can drop in and out of your pension? You know, if you've got to work once a week, that's fine. Average it out over the year if need be. But don't take a pension away and ask people to then start reapplying because that's what they'll do. If they sell their house to downsize, don't take them off the pension because they've got too much cash. Let's start really talking about flexibility for older people so that they can engage without punishment. Because at the moment, if you engage, you're punished. Yeah. If you own a house and you want to leave, have one of your rooms handed over and, and embrace uh, an unemployed person or a, a homeless woman into your house, the income that you should have been receiving or could have been receiving knocks your pension away. 
So let's seriously talk. If we want that kind of engagement, and I think we do, is that we need to have the conversation so that it is not punitive. Because I know that if I had enough money and I bought a second house and I left it vacant, I could claim all of the expenses, including the interest, off at a, as negative gearing. Yet if I'm on a pension and I hand over one of my rooms to somebody equally in, in as bad straits, the incomes, the combined incomes, come off my income. Yeah. And so it's it's serious. I mean, it's it's one rule for the rich and it's one rule for the rest of us. Yes. And you mean negative gearing where you can get the tax taxpayers to pay for your property, whereas if you're living in the house, nobody pays for your property. Yeah. You know, and now they want us to sell our houses to pay for our pensions. We've paid for our pensions for God's sake. Not selling a house to pay for the pensions. We want to have a serious discussion around death taxes. That's a that's a conversation that we had. I mean, my my dad died. My sister and I and my brother shared the assets. Had there been a, dex, a reasonable death tax, I wouldn't have bitched about paying that. I would have paid it. Mm. You know, it's not as if I was living in the house and I would have had to have come up with the money to pay for the house. So let's have the conversation. But if you're a multi-bunzillionaire mm. and you hand your capital over to your kids, they start off with you know, millions, billions. Whereas if you're a pensioner living in your own home, you're expected to sell your house to pay for your pension. Like, nah, let's get serious about this. Let's start it's, talking about also, wealth distribution. It's also about selling your house to actually even pay for health, healthcare. Yeah. And if we look at aged care, and uh, I don't know a lot about the sector, so I'll say that straight up front, but they, the government created this crisis. It's been years of crisis in the making where, again, the government handed over to private operators yeah. who, you know, what report I heard last year was uh, that the operators were, providers were screaming for a $10 a day pay increase to actually feed the residents because they're only pay, only uh, spending six dollars a day for three meals yeah. a day. How do you how do you feed? I can't feed myself on six dollars a day, and nor can they. And that's why they are buying multi million dollar yachts. I mean, the head of Bupa was paid eighty four million dollars. That's a obscene, year. isn't it? I mean, that is obscene. What on earth would you need that for? I mean, $2 million, fine. I, mean, I think that's even outrageous. But $84 million and they and well over 60% of their nursing homes don't meet minimum standards. Yeah. You know, you don't look, it's this whole privatization thing in nursing homes, from my my memory, came back when um uh, Bronwyn Bishop was the Minister for yes. Aged Care and got into more trouble than Speed Gordon because one of the nursing homes had used kerosene on a patient's, a, a client's head to get rid of head lice. Yes, and I she got into that. a lot of trouble over that. And suddenly they're getting rid of them because if it's not them, not their fault. They're not liable. He gave them the money. It's, or we've given them the money. And so, and so when we had the argument about transparency we want to know what your nursing ratio is we want to know what your food ratio is we want to know that 
he and Pauline Hanson, the LNP and the Pauline Hansons knocked that down and said, no, they don't have to tell you. And now, this is the problem. And it's the same with Hindu with the cashless debit card. Yeah, Pauline Hanson. Again, Liberal and Pauline Hanson and UAP and everything like that. Yeah. Anyone who is of a, lab, of a liberal ilk but suddenly has become independent, but, you know, uh, won't yeah. go there. Some things just should not be privatised. No, I agree. Your, your centre should not be, um, should not be privatised because it is immoral at the very least to make a profit out of the poor and vulnerable in our yeah. communities. And, and especially by making a profit. applied to aged care. And especially to make a profit by 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 treating people so badly. Yes. I mean, if you send somebody off, if you've got a you know you're a work provider, you send somebody off for training, you get paid. Yeah. You send them off for a job interview, you get paid. So it doesn't matter that you're wasting their time, that you're sending them off to things that are going to benefit from no at, at all. Yeah. It's about it. It's it's really about bullying. And the thing in nursing homes is unless we have transparency. How do we know where we're putting our people, our loved ones, are safe? Yeah. And the other thing around nursing homes is that if you, most nursing homes, unless you're uh, absolutely on, on a, a poverty scale, require you to send your, sell your own home to get a place. Yeah. And so you've got a room. Now, my dad's nursing home, where my father was in a nursing home, his room was $500,000. That was his to pay for his room. So five for a room, one room, no kitchen, nothing, just the room. Five hundred thousand dollars to get that nursing home. So of course we had to sell his house. And when we sold his house, he had money left over, which then impacted on his pension. So then he had to pay to stay there. It had to come out of his own, own pocket to stay in that room. Now. If that nursing home had gone belly up, because it was a, it's a privately run nursing home, his room would not be considered a priority debt. The electricity, the gas, the water, the staff maybe, not sure, would not be priority debts. His room would not have been a priority debt. They have rules around what they can keep and what they've got to give back and at the time frame, of giving back the money for those rooms. But had it gone belly up, if it gone broke, he his money would have gone with them. And that's legislation that needs fixing. Yeah. That if you have bought into a nursing home for a room, then that room, you must be a priority debtor because you've got to get your asset back. So if they have assets, strip the joint. If there's nothing left because they have assets, borrowed against it, done whatever, you're done. And if you have a look at all of the stuff around those ridiculous lifestyle things that people are condoned going into, you own the, the house that's in it or the unit or the, or the, the yeah. house or whatever, you don't own the land. And what we're seeing now is them being sold off to multinationals who are then raising the rates, absolutely making it impossible for people to stay there because the legislation does not protect the, the customer, it protects the business. Yeah. So you've got uh, retirement villages and lifestyle villages that are really seriously uh, stealing people's money. 
So there's yeah. a whole raft of things around that we've, we've really seriously got to have a sensible conversation, not a knee-jerk conversation, but a sensible conversation, a conversation to say, how does this work for everyone? And, I, you know, it's, it's not our policy. We have no policy on this. I am a personal fan of a death tax, not an outrageous death tax, not a tax like 970% or something, but a, a death tax of 10%. So that if when my dad's house was, we got the money back and it was divided up between the three of us, between the three of us, we would have paid 50000 We would have each still got a nice amount of money, thank you very much. Mm. And it wouldn't be as if uh, I'd been my father's carer and I inherited the house and then I would have had to have come up with that money. We've, that should be separate. That's a different, a different deal. But in terms of looking at, the massive wealth transfer that we're seeing now, there's got to be something that interferes with it. Because if you are handed um, basically a billion dollars because your parents are ultra-rich, nothing can stop you. There, nothing can stop you. Whereas if you've been given 30000 it's not very much. And you will never get the same, same as a person who's got a billion Talking on that, and uh, but taking it a little bit broader and just talking about the pension and the pension card for the moment, but bringing in healthcare as well. What I find is, is that now specialists, as we age, we end up seeing a specialist or multiple specialists. Now, I've got no problem with specialists wanting to charge over the bulk billing amount for pensioners, uh, okay. But when it's $100 for eight minutes or $108 or whatever the amount is to for, for an eight-minute consult where you've driven a couple of hours, had to wait at least an hour, if not an hour and a half, then have eight minutes consult and then have to drive a good couple of hours home, which is a, I consider a sheer waste of people's time when we could do telehealth. But to then say, oh, by the way, this is the pension rate, but you've got to pay at least $100, at least minimum $100 gap fee. Look, it's, it's all it, to it's, do it's with ludicrous. The, it's know? all to do with the Medicare rebates and have a look at the, the attack that has been placed on those. Remember oh. when when Bill Shorten said they were going to cut into Medibank, uh, Medicare and it was called Medi-Scare? Yes. It wasn't Medi-Scare. Yeah. He was absolutely correct. And we've seen that. We've seen things that would have been provided free, now you have to pay for. Yeah. And those sorts of things as you age, just as you're little, the two times in your life where you use a lot of doctors is when you're really young and when you're really old. Oh, yeah. And in the middle, it averages out. But at those two extremes, you need that support. And we ought to be seriously taking our government to, to, to task over their constant and continued attacks on Medicare. The Medicare levy hasn't been, not the levy to us, the Medicare rebate has been frozen for years. And then to lift it, they ripped out a whole pile of absolutely essential things that yeah. people need when they're aged. So that was ageist an attack on the elderly. So that even if your doctor wanted to help, the Medicare levy isn't enough to cover his costs. 
So you've got, because, you know, doctors are not a cheap business to run. You've got your staff and your premises and all of this, all of the security things you've got to have in. They're not cheap. Um, but it's, it's about having a conversation about what is sensible. And we're not having that conversation because nobody's allowed around the table. Yeah. And that's where we've got to have that conversation. It is outrageous that someone who has on is is earning $200 a week or has what you know say 300 or 4, 350 or something a week has to pay all of that to see a doctor so they can live another week. That's yeah. just not right. And we need to see again it all comes back to having the conversation about the type of world we want. We have been conned into the user pay the, and, and that's because people at the top have no problem paying. Yeah. It's the people at the bottom. But it's not just the people at the bottom. The average wage is only around about 54000 50% of the people of this country earn under that. Yeah. So when you think of... So well, we're told the, the average wage is 84000 That's not 50% of the population are not earning 84000 54, that's the, that's the average wage when you take all of the wages and divide it. If you are looking for a woman working in Sydney, over her lifetime, her average wage will be 34000 a year. That's taking off time for unemployment, time for caring, time for raising children, time for getting back into the, all of that stuff, $34,000 a year. Mm. How on earth... Are you going to, A, increase your superannuation with that kind of an earning capacity over your life? And, B, pay for all the things that you need to pay because yeah. you can do it when you're earning the big bucks, but when you're not earning the big bucks, it's too late to then say, well, oh, I shouldn't have thrown that away. And on that note, I think we'll come in with our little poem, Beverly. Okay. Uh, we like to have a little poem, and um, it's called, Yes, I'm Older, Give me a break. <laughs> Sue, would you like to start? Okay. <laughs> Went to see my doctor the other day. Wanted to hear from him if I am okay. Had some questions to ask. All he did was sit and laugh. Telling me you're getting older, so suck it up instead of being bolder. Went to see my specialist the other day. Kind of got lost trying to find my way. He looked at me, then glanced at his screen, and eight minutes later, his receptionist said, over $100, please. But I have a pensioner card, I summoned the courage to say. Yes, that's the pensioner's discount, so this is the gap you have to pay. Went for a job interview the other day. The employer took one look at me and said, no way. You're too skilled for this job, so please don't waste my time. But I said I need to earn a living too. Is my age now a crime? Looks I received told me and those around me all, you too old for this job, so run off to the Centrelink store. Went to the government office the other day. They're wanting us oldies to pick up the slack and the hay. For aged care centres and other types of jobs, would you believe? Next, I'll make it mandatory. I work for the pension I receive. 
we're too old for this and too old for that. But when it suits them, they come running for us to pick up the slack. Went to the aged care home the other day, looked at the older people sitting in chairs dreaming their days away. For $6 a day, they say they will give them break, give me breakfast, lunch and tea. Too bad if I don't like the food either, eat it or go hungry. My bones may be brittle, my joints may be aching, but my marbles are intact. Yes, I'm older and ageism in this country has definitely become a fact. Penny, for your thoughts, Beverly. Oh, the poems were, that poem was interesting. It was fun. And it's, it's an attempt to sum up what we face. You know, we do face ageism. We, we do face that on a daily basis, uh, but we're not the only ones that face age, ageism. So it's really, really, really an important message. We've just got to keep giving to people. That, you know, we're all in this together and we're all on the continuum. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And on that note, this is Desley Casey and Sue Pavley saying thank you very much, Beverly, um, for your words of wisdom. And this is from Reality Bite saying thank you for listening, for watching, and bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you.